I don't even need to preach after that. How many of you know it to be a fact that even when we're faithless, he's faithful? He's not faithful based on our performance. He's faithful because he's faithful. You can count on him to do the right thing on time every time. Not sometimes. He's faithful. I'm going to be in Daniel chapter 3 tonight. If you want to go ahead and turn there. and uh, Actually it's quite strange how. How the Lord gives me messages. Y'all know that. Sometimes I'm in the barn. And sometimes I'm on my throne. And sometimes I'm at the arena. And This message. I was out barn feeding the other morning. And that old country song came. That you got to stand for something. Or you'll fall for anything. You got to be your own man. Not a puppet on a string. Listen to the lyrics of that song. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You've got to be your own man, not a puppet on a string. Everywhere you look in society from our government down, people are trying to instill in us, careful Dennis, trying to instill in us a dependency mentality where we become the puppets that they control and who's behind that let's don't be fooling ourselves and let's don't get fooled by anybody else it's the devil that's behind all of that because listen manipulation deception rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft where does that come from? The devil. God's word is very clear, is it not, that he says that he's come to set at liberty those that are bound. He's come to give us freedom. Somebody say amen. amen. He has come to give us freedom. The devil wants to put a chokehold upon us in our personal lives our business lives, our relationships, and most of all, our worship and trust and adoration of a great God that's been faithful in spite of us, that's been faithful through it all. I'm appalled at how I see some, whether it be in athletics, the business world, a relationship, a marriage, but especially in church, to how you let the go and get a little bit rough, and they're ready to bail. Bless you. <laughs> they're ready to jump ship. They're ready to abandon the whole thing. No matter if God had written on the wall that they were supposed to be there doing this or that or this or that, they're ready to bail. Without God having told them to do so. And tonight, I want to share with you for just a few minutes what in essence is going to be about commitment. Commitment, loyalty, faithfulness, trustworthiness, 
are becoming increasingly more and more rare in our societies. If he's been faithful to me, and he has, should I not be faithful to him? He is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is that friend that has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you all the way to the very end of time. Yet the devil is trying to work on many of you in this house tonight to throw in the towel, to quit, to jump overboard, and to bail out. And I'm here to tell you, right now, back in the old athletic days, there was a piece of tape over the locker room at Woodlawn High School where when you walked out, a magic marker had, been, had written on there, a quitter never wins and a winner never quits. I've shared with you on numerous occasions how we have been created to be the victors and not the victim. Do you not realize that Romans clearly tells us that all things work together for our good? To those that love the Lord. I like to interpret that this way. Nothing happens to me. It all happens for me. Because you see, it's the trying of my faith. It's the testing of my commitment. It's the testing of my dependency upon God. It's the, the proving that stretches me and grows me and makes me become a more stalwart man of God to where when every little wind blows against me or is contrary to me, I don't weaken. Do you think it was possible that the lion and the bear that David faced helped prepare him to go out and to fight a, an undefeated Philistine champion? I do. He knew that what he had done before. And he knew the, the God in whom he served because you remember when he ran out to this giant, he said, you come to me with spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. He wasn't really even dependent upon the slingshot and the stone. He was going to use it if he had to. But he was looking to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, the one that has our backs. And tonight I want to speak hope into those of you that are about to lose hope and give up hope. Because he's the God of hope. With every temptation, with every trial, with every adversity, with every battle, he makes a way of escape. We've got to look for the escape in Christ, but until he gets us out, we've got to go through. You've heard it said before, this isn't original to me. Where there's no test, there's what? No testimony. Sometimes I remind the Lord, I think, I've got a book full of testimonies right now, Lord. You can ease up a little. And I know you feel that way also. 
Your commitment. I shared with you before how I was at the relay station one night and a sign on the wall gave me a sermon. And it simply said, as long as a man straddles the fence, he'll never have both feet on the ground. God says it like this. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You've got to decide and make up your mind where you're going to stand. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You've got to trust the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to form in you some convictions and be committed and grounded in convictions that come from God and is confirmed in His Word, regardless of what man might say. And you've got to be committed to those convictions of do's and don'ts. A lot of people say, well, I'd serve God, but they, man, that list of do's is so long, I just don't know if I can do it. Let me tell you something, the list of do's is a whole lot longer than the list of don'ts. Let me try it over here. If we'll, there's a longer list of do's than the list of don'ts. Because if we're kind one to another, if we serve one another, if we love one another, if we prefer one another, if we begin to do the things the Word of God tells us to do, we won't have time to do the don'ts. In chapter 3, old King Nebuchadnezzar has made this big image. 60 cubits, 18 inches in a cubit. That's 90 foot tall. Nine feet wide. And he sends town criers throughout the town to make this announcement. Hear ye, hear ye. Oh, that was uh, Shakespeare. No. He basically was saying, listen up. When you hear the sound of the harp and the psaltery and the music come together in symphony, when you hear the music, bow down for we're dedicating this image and I want you to worship. Bow down to this image. And there's always a few suck-ups that go to the king and say, you remember them Hebrew boys? Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When they played that music, they did not bow down. So he sends for them. They bring them in. And we're going to pick up in verse 14 with them standing in the presence of King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up. Now, we're going to give you another chance, boys. If you'll be ready at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lair, and the psaltery, and the symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, if you don't bow down to our system, if you don't do things the way we want you to do, if you don't fit in with the crowd, you'll be a cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto him, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. 
If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that the heat of the furnace seven times more than it usually was heated and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore... Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. Look, he said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire and the satraps and administrators, governors and the kings and the counselors gathered together and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed nor were their garments affected and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angels and delivered his servants who trusted him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks against anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is... No other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. Basically coming out of verse 17 and verse 18. Before we go there, I want you to understand that God's word has told us that while you're in this world, you will have tribulations. You're going to be in some hot spots. You're going to go through some pressure-packed moments. You're going to be stretched. You're going to be twisted. You're going to be pulled. You're going to be put in the vice and it's going to be screwed down on you till it hurts sometimes. But I want you to understand again that there's no weapon that's formed against you that can prosper. If you stay faithful, if you stay true, if you stay committed, if you stay in that place of in that presence of God, getting your marching orders and your actions from Him, He will direct your path. He will bring you not only through, not only out, but He'll do so in a way that you'll have a testimony of praise upon you. And you'll be a hope and an inspiration to others that you will encounter.
In verse 17, we see, and we need to instill these and check ourselves to see if these traits are evident in our lives. It's hope. Because it says, Our God, whom we serve, is able. Because we serve a God of hope, we don't need to lose hope. Now, I've shared with you on many occasions, one of the favorite tools the devil has, I believe, in his arsenal is this. To make you feel that your situation is so unique and so big that it's hopeless. Because if he can get you to have the stinking thinking of hopelessness, it's impossible for you to have faith to change or to trust God because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Anytime the devil begins to tell you there's no hope, remember, he's the father of lies in him, in him and in him is no truth. He may taint the truth. I mean, he may taint the lie with a little bit of truth to try to make it palatable and taste okay. But if you'll listen to the totality of what he's speaking and see the picture that he's trying to present, you will understand with the discernment, the help of God, the power of his spirit, the word of God, you will see right through the lie and you'll recognize, I serve a God of hope. There's nothing too hard or difficult with him. All things are possible with the God that I serve. There's hope in him. Secondly, we see in verse 17 also, so where they voiced their faith in that they said, He will deliver us. I told you a week or two ago, since I started looking up words in the dictionary, I realized how stupid I was. <laughs> we know Hebrew says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But Webster says, faith is complete trust or confidence. Don't miss this. Complete Trust or confidence. Unquestioning belief. Loyalty. So when you flippantly say, Oh, I'm believing God for, I'm just standing in faith. Are you really? Or are you just sounding spiritual? Are you trying to convince those, those around you where in, inwardly you're crying out in desperation? For help. There's a difference in wishing and believing. There's a difference in wishing things were different and believing, having faith. And here's... One of them head scratchers mystifies me. There are some things that we know to emphatically, clear and plainly know this is the will of God. There are other things, this is not the will of God. Then there's some stuff right in here we go, hmm, 
But it's those things that we know to be the will of God that I have found in Christian counseling that baffles more Christians than anything else. And I tell them, look, there are times when it aligns with God's word and we know what God's will in a matter is to know exactly how to pray. We don't have to pray, your will be done. We know what his will is. That's when it's time for us to bind and to loose and to take the authority and the dominion that God has given us as his children to dominate, to dictate the situation, to put the devil in his place in faith. Let me just inject this. Keep a right spirit with what I'm going to say now and understand it just like I'm talking about. Don't go putting a spirit in me or about me that I'm not projecting this with. Jesus said, these things that you've seen me do, shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do, not because you're greater, but because I go to my Father. Don't be afraid when God puts you in the situation to pray for someone for whatever the need may be. Don't be afraid to step up and pray. It's not your reputation that's on the line. It's His. Exercise that authority that God has given us to pray one for another, to love one another, to bind the strong man. Whatsoever we bind on earth, it's bound in heaven. Whatsoever we loose on earth, it's loosed in heaven. We've got to rise up as mighty warriors in the army of God and recognize that we are in a conflict. The devil is on a mission and he's good at what he does. He tries to confuse us. He tries to cause doubt and fear and unbelief and all of those things. And we've got to recognize when the enemy has come into the camp and we've got to fight the battle. Our battle is never flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's never flesh and blood. But it's against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. It's not people. Don't you get to trying to destroy people. That's who Jesus died for. Love them. So, really learn the definition of faith and apply it to your life. Thirdly, and I'll close. It's in verse 18 where they said, But if not, I just got through saying, He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image. You've got to get committed to the cause. Because realize it or not, like it or not, most of you or us will not be called upon to be martyrs, to seal our testimony and our belief with our blood and our life. Some may. Are you prepared if it comes to that? Or will you bail, tuck tail and run? Are you willing to stand in the face of adversity? opposition and to say my God can and my God will 
But even if he don't, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bend. And I'm not going to burn. Because that fourth man in that fire, that that king stood up and said, didn't we cast three in there bound? There's four loose up walking around and the fourth is like the Son of God. That's Old Testament. He's seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. He's still in the fire. The old lyrics to that song goes, and he's walking through the flame. And I can tell you through the power of his name, not one flame of fire will touch you. You'll come through it and you'll tell. Yesterday, today, forever, he's alive and well. Where's your commitment? Where's your faith? What is it that you need in the Lord? There is no other God like him. Bow your heads. You're in this house tonight. And just quite point blank and direct. You say, Dennis, I'm one of those that hadn't been committed the way that I need to be. I have forsaken the Lord even though he's been good to me and faithful to me. And I need to ask him to forgive me. I need him to cleanse my sins and come in my life and to change me and to help me. Tonight I'm man enough and woman enough to recognize the fact and I'm going to step up to the plate and say, that's me. If that's you, could I see your hand? Anybody, anywhere, just slip it up. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Anybody, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Yes, in the balcony, thank you, and thank you. Anyone else, thank you. Very quickly, just get it up. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Look up here at me. I will never ever get tired of telling you the simplicity of God's word that he says, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open up, I'll come in. I'll sup with you and you with me. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. If you call on my name, you'll be saved. Here's how you're saved. If we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, came to planet Earth, was tempted and tried in all ways that you and I are, yet he was without sin, making that blood pure and pristine and worthy to be shed, to redeem sinful man back to holy God. And he died, graveyard dead, and they buried him. But he didn't stay dead. He walked out of a grave on what we celebrate as Easter Sunday morning. He's got the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hand. And he stands here today offering life. It says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus that we're saved. My prayers can't save you. You must ask with your mouth. Believe in your heart. And then receive the completed and full work that Jesus has done for you. With that knowledge, bow your head. I want to lead you in prayer. I don't know, it must have been 12 or 15 of you raised your hand in here tonight and praise God for it. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I'm sorry for having waited so long to come to you. I do believe you're the Son of God that died in my place 
so that I could live. But you didn't stay dead. You walked out of a grave. And you're alive today. And so I ask you now to forgive me of my sins. To cleanse me with your blood. To come into my life and to be my Savior and my Lord. Teach me how to hear your voice and how to live my life in a way that's pleasing to you. I need your help, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now let me tell you, for those of you that raised your hand, it's important that you be baptized. We'll be happy to baptize you here at Open Range. If you go to another church somewhere, you need to go to that pastor. You need to tell him what you've done tonight and you need to follow up in baptism. You're saved right now, but you need to be baptized. That's a public profession of symbolically laying the old man, burying the old man and rising a new one. I won't tell y'all this. I love y'all and I am so thankful that that traffic is thinned out on the interstate. <laughs> they have been wearing us out. But God bless you.